I know you all are wondering if, if I'm going to start blending drinks. It's not going to happen. I was thinking about it, but it's not going to happen. As you turn to Revelation 2, we're continuing in our series on what is the church. Why are we doing a series on what is the church? One of the reasons that we're doing this series is because I think we've gotten confused on what the church is. I think we've let too many people who are not qualified try to determine and classify what the church is. So it's become this mess. It's become... What's that southern dish that they have that uh, they just put everything into? Jambalaya. It's become the jambalaya or gumbo church. And on some levels, that's okay. Because God's church is made up of everyone that names Him as Lord and Savior. Amen? And as you look around this room, hopefully you see that from every tribe and from every nation. From every generation. Right? We've got Kimaya over here, and then we've got Roger Bensing over somewhere. He left the building. Where'd you go, Roger? All right. What is the church? You know, sometimes you have to get back to your roots to get things straightened out. So that's why we're doing this series. Because the world wants to try to define what the church should be. And... I just want to share with you, that is not a new thing. You're going to see, if you haven't already seen, over and over and over as we've been going through these letters, that the world was trying to marginalize the church since the church began. And so, why these letters? This is some of the last bit of information Christ gave us before He sealed the Word of God. And he had watched the church develop. And these are physical churches. We've gone through three already. Let's see if we got them. The first one was the church at... Very good. The church at Ephesus. The second was the church at Smyrna. Oh, you guys are just reading it out of the Bible now. Nicely done. And the third one is the church last week. The church at Pleasant Hill. What? Okay, Pergamum. Yes. But that's what we should be thinking. We should be thinking the church at Concord. What would Jesus say about this church right now? Would He commend us? Would He rebuke us? How would He relate to us? And as He goes through every single letter, there's kind of this matrix. There's this pattern that He does, that He uses, that is beautiful. It's poetic. It is personal. It is complete. And I can think of no better way to share with you this morning what should the church be than to simply go to the words of Christ Himself. After all, it's His church. It's His church. Now, two things that you should remember as we look at this. When we talk about the church, we're talking about this corporate assembly that we're going through right now. And on the West Coast, uh, there are hundreds of thousands of people meeting right now. That's kind of exciting to know, isn't it? And there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions, that have already worshipped Christ going that way. And there will be a few more (laughs) that way that have yet to gather and worship this morning. That is the church. But you as an individual, myself as an individual, I am the church, you are the church as well as an individual. And the New Testament is riddled with that information. So when we 
refer to this information as we dissect it. Think of it in personal terms and think of it in corporate terms as well. Let me read this morning verses 18 through 29 and then we are going to dig in and we are going to fly. To the church in Thyatira, verse 18, and to the angel of the church at Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are burnished like bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into <clears throat> excuse me, I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works, and I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden, only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give him authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron, and when the earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father... And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This morning, before we get going and we try to dissect all of that, I have a question for you. Have you ever said, that doesn't go with that? Some of you men, your wives may have told you that on the way out the door with what you're wearing this morning already. Or men, you may have told your wives, and then we'll need to do marriage counseling later on. But it may not just be what you wear, right? My wife thinks that this colored jacket does not match this black, therefore I shouldn't wear it. But I heard that the hipster moves these days is not to like completely coordinate. Got to be just a little off, and and then so I kind of think I'm looking good today. You know, I'm sweating like a pig up here, but I'm looking good because that's what matters. So, how many of you love, like, Jamba Juice? How many of you do the Jamba Juice, the smoothies, that kind of stuff? How many of you, like my, my wonderful uh, sister-in-law, do those, uh, you juice? That, now, that's different, right? You juice. You throw everything in there, okay? You do the vegetables. You do beets, which are from Satan. Um, you, you do cauliflower in there, and then you throw protein and grass and, you know, all this stuff, and you just hit blend, right? I really want to know this. I do, this is not rhetorical. How many of you do that? How many of you are brave enough? Wow. That is, um, okay, so now I know not to mock those people because they're in the room. So, wow, this thing's still, uh, okay, so we've got all this stuff in here. And so uh, I think this goes like this, and then, you know, you put, I know how to use one of these. No, I don't. And... Um, so you hit this switch, and so 
How many of you would like to put like, if you were doing one this morning, you'd put oranges in here, right? How many of you would put oranges? And and you'd put like some, uh, maybe some apples, maybe some pineapple and some strawberries, maybe a little sherbet. I'd I'd throw the sherbet in there because, you know, you got to have the glue. You know, the fruit's good, but you got to have the glue. And so you throw all that in there and you hit the switch and boom, you've got magic in your hand, right? Now, how many of you would throw a brownie in there? One, two. And you know what? I thought about this. I thought about this when I was going to ask the question. And both of you, I figured, would raise your hands. It says a lot. So, you know, now brownies aren't bad, right? They're not evil. They're good by themselves. Not in a smoothie. How many of you would throw, like, a Ruth Crisp in bone? (laughs) No. It doesn't go with that, does it? How many of you don't mix your foods when you're eating? You can't let them touch, right? This was the problem. So I'm not blending anything. Just relax. Front row, relax. You're not in the splash zone. It doesn't go with that. This was the problem with the church at Thyatira. Let's move through this. Take some notes. Write this stuff down because this is good stuff. It doesn't go with that. Let me give you a little bit of history of the church of Thyatira. So far, we've seen churches that were in in Meccas. I mean, like New York City. Ephesus was huge. Um, The church that we studied at at Pergamum, they were kind of like the elite. They were like the Berkeley of churches, right? They knew a lot and they knew that you knew that they knew a lot and they were going to hold on to that and make you feel bad for it. Now, this town was a blue-collar town. This was your welders, your craftsmen, your guilds. This is the, this is the group that supplied all the other towns you know, in the provinces of, of uh, Asia Minor and Turkey. And, uh, and so there was a lot of metal workers. There was some jewelry people. You know, that was kind of this attitude within this group. So you had what was called a lot of guilds. You had... Um, and you kind of like go back. I don't know if you're picturing like Lord of Rings kind of stuff, whatever. But get that picture of that guild. And it's kind of like a club, like a Mason's kind of a deal. Okay. And so they would gather as their guilds. And uh, they would have monthly celebrations to honor their patron deity. Every guild, whether it was like some kind of feather making pillow guild. Or whether it was like a jewelry making guild. Or, you know, horsehair um, uh, tablets. Um, that's how Apple started, by the way, horsehair tablets, whatever it was, they would have their patron deity that on a monthly basis, they would hold a festival. This was the problem. And this is how the church in Thyatira started to get pressure and persecution. And you heard this fancy name for this woman. What was her name? Wow, you guys can remember Jezebel, but, you know, if I ask you about uh, what churches have we already studied, it's like pulling teeth. Now, that right there tells you we have a problem in modern society. Yes, Jezebel. Now, we don't know that that was specifically her name. John may have been using a point of emphasis, kind of pointing back to Jezebel from the Old Testament time. But the issue about Jezebel was this. She was a believer. We know that because it says that God was giving her time to repent. She was influential within this church. And what had happened is she starts leading them to accept the practices of the local guilds so they wouldn't have pressure as a church. We'll get into this 
um, momentarily. Celebrations would include eating meat offered to idols and sexual practices. This is what they did at their festivals. Apollo was their god of choice and the one that they, they worshipped in this town. So the message to Thyatira, number one, Jesus describes himself starting in verse 18. And we've told you that he has this pattern within each church that he describes himself in a personal way. What are we to glean from that? Well, number one, he says he has eyes like fire. If you are a, uh, a metal smith or a copper smith or a goldsmith, silversmith, whatever it would be, you are heating up metal and you are looking for what? You are looking for impurities. And so you have to have eyes that are focused, eyes that are concentrated, eyes that are truly looking for what needs to be taken out. Jesus doesn't simply describe himself as one with eyes like fire for just his own purposes. Every single time that he is talking, I'm gonna, I felt like a fly in one of those zappers right there. Every single time he's talking to one of the churches, he brings a personal view of himself because that's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. He calls his feet like burnished bronze. He's saying, I I identify with you. I know who you are. I know what you do. And I can relate to you. How does He do that with us? He is a personal Jesus. For myself, we're excited about what's happening here at Concord Bible Church. And we take great steps of faith here. And we see God move. Do you know what I need from Jesus? I need a lot. I need a lot from Jesus. But personally, I need to experience His leadership. I need to experience His unwavering leadership. I need to remember how He would speak to those around Him when they would start to vacillate. They'd kind of go back and forth a little bit. And He said, did I not say? Did I not promise you? And when I can look back and see, He followed through with those things. So that when I sense that God is leading us to step out in faith in something, I'm like, Jesus, I need you to show yourself to me so I'm not hanging out there on my own. Next thing you know, we see someone come to the Lord. Then we see another person come to the Lord. Then we see another person come to the Lord over and over and over and over. Unlike any other time since I've been here. Jesus has shown himself to be true to his leadership, his nature. What do you need Jesus to be? Because what he's saying in these first verses of every single letter is, I know you, I understand you, and I will come to you how you need to see me. I will not compromise who I am, but I get you. And so he personalizes himself. I encourage you, take time to understand how Jesus is personal to you. Focus on that. Know who you are and know that he gets you. He's made you perfectly. Why would He not know His creation? Next. His commendation out of verse 19. Let's read verse 19. It says this, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. Wow. I would love for Him to say that about our church. I would love to know that He would write those words for all of humanity to see and understand about me personally. 
Would he say that about me, that my latter works exceeded my first ones? This church was the opposite of Ephesus. They were growing in their love and it was evidenced in their deeds of service. You know, Ephesus had down the doctrine. Ephesus had down the truth and they unwavered from that, but they lost their first love. They got so focused on truth that they stopped loving and growing in their love for one another. And by the way, when you're growing in your love for one another, you just naturally reach out and care for people. Let me encourage you to do the following. Practice love through acts of service. Here at Concord Bible Church, or the church that is you, because God resides in you if you have named Him Lord and Savior, practice acts of love. Show up here on Wednesday night. Show up here this coming Wednesday night. This Wednesday night, you get to hear about two things, and you get to hear, not from me, you get to hear from two members of our church. An an individual who is an executive in the corporate world is going to and has already studied and put together a seminar for you and all of your friends that basically sets you up five tips on how to get a better job, on how to succeed in the workforce. My brother-in-law, Alan, who is the IT manager for the city of Pleasanton, is coming with five tips on how to protect your cybersecurity, all of your electronics, your computer, your personal devices, how to protect those from viruses. And both of these gentlemen are going to bring spiritual um, information that works with that with our lives as well. Guess what? They're not doing that just because I asked them to. They're doing it because they love and care for you and they want to see you succeed. And so they're practicing deeds of service. And we're growing in our love for one another here at Concord Bible Do this through church ministries and outside church ministries. Measure yourself and say, are there fruits in my life that Jesus would commend me for? You don't want to show up dry to the banquet. You don't want to show, you you know, you ever show up to a a party and and you're like, we got to stop and get something. Just stop. Stop at the dollar store. You know, get something. Don't show up to the banquet in heaven without having some fruit to demonstrate and for Christ to commend you on. So this was his commendation for the church of Thyatira. They did really well at loving one another and reaching out and practicing deeds of service. But then here comes the problem. Here comes the difficulty. You tolerate that woman Jezebel. Here is his rebuke for the church. Let's read it verses 20. Uh, through 23 he says but i have this against you that you tolerate that woman jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols i gave her time to well let's stop there let's stop there it's actually through 21 and then the solution is is coming and the consequence is coming so their problem was a lack of discernment and a toleration of heresy all right, heresy is this idea of of that which is the opposite of truth. All right, and it can even be malicious in its efforts. It can be there to trick you. But just understand that when we're looking at it this morning that heresy is getting off the focus of truth. It's the stuff that doesn't go with that. Right? It's the stuff that doesn't go with that. And so this church 
had so much love that they didn't want to hurt someone's feelings. And this, this gal, Jezebel, whoever she was, was very influential. And for whatever reason, probably the issue of persecution and making life more pleasurable to themselves, she may have said something like this. See if this doesn't, and obviously I'm speculating, but see if this doesn't resonate with you today. Where would you have heard this? Hey, there's no way that we're going to really reach out and, and, and get those individuals that are part of those guilds to come into our community and see Christ unless we kind of a, adopt them and, and we say that we're um, inclusive to them and we probably should just do a little bit of what they do that'll make them feel more comfortable here. Could you hear someone saying that? Because that happens all the time in our churches today. I just watched a commercial for it last night. It came over YouTube. I was, I was researching something for this message, and there was a commercial for a, a Bay Area church saying, everybody is accepted here. That's great. That's fantastic. And then they continued on down a slippery slope. It doesn't matter if you're this. It doesn't matter. God loves everybody. Yes, God loves everybody. But we're hearing from Jesus right now by the way, this isn't the Jesus you hear about all over the streets. This is the Jesus that is Jesus. This is the Jesus that cares about us like we would care for our children who are about to step into danger. And Jesus doesn't remain silent on the subject. And so He's rebuking this church. So Jezebel had gotten in there and what were the things that she brought? She's this woman in the congregation. She's a believer. She was encouraging compromise and others began to follow. Now here's the danger is that the church leadership did nothing about it. The church leadership sat back and allowed this to continue on and get to the point where Christ had to rebuke them. And it gets worse. It gets worse. The practices of the world that are an offense were happening within this church. They were an offense to Christ. Not an offense to the pastor. Not an offense to the people that are members at the church. But they are an offense to Christ. And my encouragement to you today is this. When it's something that doesn't go with that, don't sit and try to debate the subject with someone who's searching after truth or just wants to argue. Simply say, these are the words of Christ. This is His expectation. And take them to these verses. Right out of Revelation 2. What was it specifically? Number one, eating meat sacrificed to idols. Why was this a big deal? Because it's an association with idolatry. It's taking something that was given as a worshipful offering and sacrifice and dedicated to that. And so by association, you are associating yourself with that. Now some back in that day said, it's only meat. It's not that big of a deal. I'm not participating in the worship. And you'll see this riddled throughout the New Testament where there's freedom to do some of this, there's freedom not to do. But this church had taken it too far. They celebrated it. They actively participated. They brought it into their church functions. The second thing was what? Sexual practices during festivals. Well, what have we mixed in with our faith that is ruining us? What have we mixed in? And I'm going to just take a, a, a moment to speak to this. Because, my friends, this is 
huge. And it's gotten so bad in the past 10 to 15 years that I would be shocked if it hasn't affected us. Even me. That our attitude has become like Jezebel's, that we're willing to compromise because we've immersed ourselves in our society. And so we're trying to mix things that don't go together. Statistics say this, that those in this room that aren't married yet, that are working towards that, that at least 78% of you under the age of 20 will not make it to your marriage bed pure as a virgin. That people have given up on that. That you are constantly given a litany that now is almost a mockery. That if you choose to... And and the first one I remember this being a big deal with was A.C. Green. You remember? Remember A.C. from the Lakers? That he was kind of openly mocked by the media. That was the first time I remember that happening. And now it's a point in time where it is a rarity to hold up, to exalt the issue of purity. Here's a question I get from young people. and Not so young people. You know, it's not a big deal because I don't see anywhere in Scripture, and I want to follow Scripture, I want to do the right thing, but I don't see anywhere in Scripture where it says, do not have premarital sex. I don't see it. It's not in there, Pastor. What is this? No, 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 no. You think it's an apple. This is a pawpaw. It's a pawpaw. That's even funner to say. I don't even like your word, apple. It's so mundane. Pawpaw, it just kind of comes off your lips. This is a pawpaw. How many of you are here to now call it a pawpaw? Raise your hands. Are you serious? I just told you what it is. Thank you. Thank you. And I knew that you would raise your hand. This is a pawpaw. You know how I know you can't convince me it's not? All you have to do is show me where it's written that this is not a pawpaw, and I'll call it an apple. You can't do it. Are you connecting the thinking? You see, this is what the world does. They will say, nowhere in Scripture does it say you cannot have Premarital, you know why it doesn't say that? Because they didn't use that phrase back in the day in the Greek. So there's two phrases here. There's three phrases I want you to be familiar with. One, adultery. There's no getting around that. We know what that is. We still use that vernacular. We still use that information. There's two others. One is fornication. And so as you look at this word when it goes through, and you can turn to Hebrews 13.4. That would be the key passage that I would encourage you to look at just so we can see an example of this. And then I'm going to give you several others. And as you do so, as you're looking at that, I'm going to give you a definition real quickly. That this, this word in, in the Greek is called porneo. Well, it's where we get the word pornography from. 
But it doesn't do justice to really explaining the wide gamut of sexual immorality. You see, specifically, fornication is sexual intercourse outside of marriage. That's fornication. And often when you see this word porneia, that's what it's referring to. But in another passage that we're about to look at, you're going to see this word, or these words. Let me read it out of verse 4. Let marriage be held in honor among all. Let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the what? Sexually immoral. Or sexual immorality. So sometimes you will see the word fornication, and sometimes you'll see this sexual immorality. Sexual immorality included all acts of sex, which would have included what was going on in Thyatira. That Roman society, pagan society, built into their temples sexual acts that ran the gamut, my friends. It was all over the place. And that was part of your worship to that deity. And so as he's continually addressing this issue to these churches that lived in the time of Roman occupation and Roman religions that oppressed the Christian religion, he's speaking to a wide gamut. So sometimes you're going to see the word sexual immorality, and sometimes you'll see fornication, and sometimes you'll see adultery. So when we get the question, Pastor, I don't know where it would say... I don't know where it would say that I can't have premarital sex because you won't find those words in the Bible. You know what I say to that? Pawpaw. All right? Learn and figure it out because it's important. It was so important that Jesus came to this church and said what? This is hard. The solution to this is found in, in verse 24 and 25. And he says this, hold fast and keep up Christ's works. So what's the solution to the rebuke? You've got to hold fast and keep to Christ's works. Stay focused on what you should be doing, not focusing or meandering or kind of mingling. By the way, by the, way the, the word that he uses here is that you tolerate this. We use that word in our society. Isn't it interesting? We use that word to talk about a loving approach to people. That we would tolerate. And by the way, toleration, the word tolerate is fine. You just have to use it in context. You have to figure out this context is a negative one. That you are compromising and Christ says, I'm going to hold it against you. You're going to hear in a minute what the consequence is. Here's the solution though. Hold fast and keep up Christ's works. All right, Hold fast to Him. Hold fast to the things that are of God, not to the things that are of the world. So that happens through these things. Not, not This isn't a comprehensive list, but build this into your life. Build discipline into your life. Build accountability into your life. Build radical amputation into your life. Statistics say that 82% of the men in this room are viewing pornography. Statistics say that 52% of the men that stand behind this pulpit are viewing pornography. Statistics say now that 32% of the women in this room are viewing pornography. And it doesn't hurt you. It's fine. It's harmless. Do you know that even the world through studies out of, out of Chicago, uh, University of Chicago and some other places, that they're finding that there are far-reaching, damaging results 
to viewing pornography. And do you know that a European country, I want to say Iceland, something like Iceland, actually voted to regulate the Internet. Can you believe that a European country beat America to the idea of regulating the Internet because they see the damages that pornography does and they're not tolerant anymore? They're not tolerant. They've said enough is enough because it's destroying our families. It's destroying our relationships. It's destroying and setting up a fake sense of intimacy. By the way, you start going down this road, kiss intimacy goodbye. You're going to hear in a minute. As a matter of fact, let's just go there because I I don't want to vacate this. I don't want to lose the opportunity to go to it. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, please. Because remember, I told you that you're supposed to do what? You're supposed to hold fast and keep up Christ's works. And so discipline in this area, accountability in this area, radical amputation in this area is important. And, and so in order to know that, we've got to know what is the good stuff that we should hold on to. What is sex under God's economy and under God's plan for you and I? Is it supposed to be this, this hush-hush, neg- negative sense of, of, of discretion? No. It's supposed to be this wonderful thing that creates intimacy between two people for life. And when we observe it that way, under God's plan, it's incredible. And he says this, starting in verse 12, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one or the other. Now here, listen. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. It was never meant for this. And yet we live in a society and world that that is what they are obsessed with. Could you ever go to a, a comedy club without hearing sexual jokes? You can't. Can you go see almost any movie that's not G-rated without there being some kind of sexual inference? You can't. Unless it's a documentary where they're like, I don't know, they're, they're killing monkeys in trees or something. So they give it a, uh, an R rating. You know what I mean. So what does God say about it? He says the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never! Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? Let me stop for just a moment. Because when I heard this as a kid, I'm like... Well, yeah, man, I'm not going to go cruising for a prostitute. You know, I'm not talking about... Folks, get over the word prostitute. That's just how they did it back in the day. You know, you went to a temple worship and the people that were there for free sex, that those individuals were just called prostitutes because they got paid to be at the temple so that you could participate in that. All right, so don't, don't get hung up with, oh, well, I'm, I'm free to do this or that with my boyfriend or my girlfriend. You know, today we have, we have friends with what? That's sad, we even know that. And that stemmed from booty calls. And that's, 
On and on and on and on and on. How can you imagine that you are not affected when you are saturated in it? And we laugh at that stuff, but it destroys lives. It destroys lives. Jesus has come to give us life to the full. The enemy has come to steal your life. He's come to destroy your life. And He's come to kill your life. And He's not going to just show up on the doorstep with a Gatling gun. He's going to seduce you away. Slowly but surely. And He will destroy you. And this is one of the ways. And this is why He says, you cannot tolerate this. He says this, or do you not know that he who is joined with a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other, now listen, every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. When we practice sexual immorality, Our bodies carry around results of that. Not just physically, emotionally, psychologically. When you go to buy a new car, do you want a new car that 14 people have driven? Or do you want the new car? I mean, really think about it. Let's just be honest here. Y'all know where I'm going with this, and so you want to you like, well, that's just stupid. No, it's not. Straight up, $28,000. You got $28,000. You show up to the dealership, and there's, a, there's two cars, same color, same make, never been off the lot, but one's got 580 miles on it from all these test drives and doesn't smell right for some reason. That's wherever you just went in your mind, that's not me. I didn't say that. Or you can get the one that's got about 20 miles on it. Which one are you choosing? There's a psychological and emotional pressure to this that nobody wants to talk about. Because the second you start talking about it, you start ruining people's what? Fun. You start judging people. Fine, I don't need to talk about it. Because Jesus did. And He does so because He cares for you. And what it says is this. You see, all of this was made in a beautiful fashion, in a beautiful way. Listen to this. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your in your body. And as He goes on in verse 7, He talks about the relationship between the husband and the wife. And then in Ephesians 5, he says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother so that the two will become what? One. They will become one. And you heard that here, that, that Christ is saying what? Shall I become one with a prostitute and another and another and another and another and another? When that happens, intimacy is ripped away. There's a beauty to all of this, my friends, that God has intended and Satan seeks to destroy it. Now, I'm not naive 
enough to believe that as I say those words that they may not pierce and they may not be hard for us to hear but I'm here to encourage what would you do to keep one of our young people from experiencing the hurt or the pain that maybe you've gone through is it worth me mentioning it I believe so the second part is this discipline accountability radical amputation on this tablet right here I have what's called X3 from X3 Church anything and everything that I do on the internet is monitored and a report is given to another pastor over in Benicia because I cannot trust myself nor will I trust myself so this is my accountability and this is my discipline if you are unwilling to put a filter like that on your electronics can I just tell you you've probably tolerated sexual immorality too long. Or you have a much higher view of your discipline than you should have. Because it's out there to destroy us and to destroy the church. It is not foursquare, folks. This is war. And if He takes us out, and by the way, one compromise leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. And your life can be vastly changed for forever be honest with yourself about it understand that this is something that was meant to be between two people that makes them one there's something spiritual there's something mystical there's something beautiful about what God has intended here don't mix it with stuff that doesn't belong there Philippians 4.8 is a great discipline to hold in your mind. Finally, brothers, whatever is excellent, whatever is true, whatever is good, whatever is lovely, and on and on, think on these things. Remember, he commends them for holding fast and doing Christ's work, right? Get the commendation. Don't get the rebuke. Be about going about and doing those things that are of God and making sure that you're in those measured moments And not tolerating the other things to creep into your life. Because you tolerate them to creep in and they will take you down. They will take me down. None of us have the strength to fight against that. Romans 12.9 says this, Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. When I was speaking to some high schoolers down south on this subject, I had the biggest guy in the study. It was at a high school study. I had the biggest guy in the room, about Mike's size. I said, I'll pay you $10 to hang on my back for 30 seconds. All you have to do is hang on. I was preaching on this passage. And he says, you got it. I ran that guy into the walls. I ran him into the piano. The piano fell over. I, ran, I, I souffled backwards onto him. I ran him into other students. I did every, And he never, it almost killed me. He never let go. He earned that $10. And then I spoke those words. Folks, that's what it means to cling to what is good. Cling to what is good. Get away. Hate those things that are evil. Put that practice. That is the solution when it comes to these things. What was the uh, consequence? He says, well, I'm going to throw her on a sickbed. There's actually a lot of consequence here. And it's, and it's very, very um, difficult. It's very sad. And it's harsh to hear from Christ. But the issue is is that He wants you to repent. He doesn't want you to experience what is worse. 
And if we won't listen, and he says what? He says, I've been patient. I've given her opportunity after opportunity to repent. And not only is she destroying herself, but now she's taking others with her. And the results will be disastrous. So, I'm going to get involved. And there's a consequence here. And for her and for those that follow and the generations that listen and follow, my heavy hand will be upon them so that they'll see this is disastrous for them and turn and repent and walk away from those things that are going to kill them. This is going to happen if they lack repentance. And what's the result? Illness, trouble, and even death. Death to the generations. What are the consequences in our lives? When we allow things like sexual immorality to come into our life, there are huge consequences. It affects us personally. It affects relationships. It affects our perspective of relationships. Men in the room. There is a sense where nobody will tell you this, but you are encouraged to seek after as much pleasure as you possibly can get. That's what the world says. And that that's what you deserve. And what that builds is a devaluing of that woman. Here's what I want you to understand as a consequence. Whatever you choose to do in your valuation of that person that you're with, be prepared to receive that. Be prepared to receive the damaged goods that you're creating. Be prepared for your daughters to be treated that way. You see, what the world does is they depersonalize all of this. Friends with benefits? You just say it the right way, it makes it okay, right? As a precious creation of God that you have defiled. Are you prepared to receive that? And are you prepared for your daughters to be treated that way? If not, get the discipline. Live according to what Christ will give you. And wait to receive the precious reward that Christ has for you. Lastly, the reward. To the one who conquers and keeps my works until the end, there is a reward. Now, that's been pretty heavy so far. You guys okay? All right. Remember, the thing you walk away with today is this. First of all, the Scripture but I'm trying to put this in your head. Stop mixing things that don't go together. Stop mixing things that don't go together. One of the ways to know that you're doing that, whether it's sexual immorality or other things, is if you're not getting the joy in your Christian walk that you should be, if you're not intimately walking with Christ, if you're not abiding with Christ, chances are you're mixing things in there. And you can't mix it in and come out with a good-tasting drink. Okay? Like I said, kale and beets have nothing to do with God. Just, just, 
We're going to strike that from the tape. That's not going on there. There's a reward that's waiting for us. And as Christ moves through all seven letters to the churches, every single one has a reward because that's who Christ is. That's what He's about. He has this waiting for you and I. And if we make sure that we are doing what Christ is asking, if we walk in that path, not only will He be good for us here, will we experience what He has for us here, there's much more waiting for us for eternity. By the way, this is a blip. This is a blip on the radar. How many of you high schoolers wish you could just be done with school right now and never go back to school ever again? Junior hires, high schoolers, small children, um, anybody involved in school. Why do you go then? Because mom and dad make me. Well, good. Keep making them, mom and dad. But you probably go because you want to succeed in life and you want to get a job. Now, not saying that you wouldn't. But there's some kind of motivation that's making you do all that time And all that work and all that effort so that you get something in the end. We're a rewards-based society. God's built that into us. So what's our reward? He gives us the morning star. This is Jesus. Jesus is the morning star. He gives us His care. He gives us His leadership. He gives us His comfort. He will give all of Himself to you and I. He will not withhold Himself from us. Lastly, He gives us authority of the nations. One of the things that happens as a result of sexual immorality is you become a victim. Go back to Galatians 5.1. You were meant for freedom. Stop submitting yourself to this bondage. And as a result, you become a victim. You become a victim. You become a victim. You become a victim. read a story this past week of a young girl named Molly who was sucked into the pornography industry. And she was sucked into that and brought into it by an older gentleman. And his whole thing was, we knew how to get these girls to commit to things that they didn't want to commit to. We didn't ask them to do pornography. We just asked them to model and we had them come to a house that was beautiful. And in this beautiful house that they couldn't afford, we had pictures up of myself and my wife on vacations that they couldn't afford. And we drew or or drove cars and we drove them around in these cars and went to restaurants that they what couldn't afford. And then we said, well, you know, we'll give you ten thousand dollars a week if you just do this or this or this. And that's how they would get them. And at one point, Molly got out of the industry because of a ministry that reaches out to those gals in that industry presented Christ, and as she came to know the Lord, those gals encouraged her to, and this was not wise, encouraged her to start sharing her faith and planting seeds within this guy that had recruited her. Again, brushing up, right? Brushing up. Getting a little bit of mixing here. What happened? He laughed. And so it became a challenge. He was ready to be done with her. She was gone. But now he took it as a challenge. And you know what he told her? He said, those very same pastors and those very same people who are leading you are the ones that call me asking for pictures. They're hypocrites. And that's all it took. And from that point, Molly became bitter and angry. And it's a sad, sad story. She's a victim. 
She's a victim. These are our daughters. These are our wives. All because we tolerate. All because we mix the wrong things. And this is never what Jesus intended. And so He wants to protect us. So the reward, if you hold fast to the things of God, the reward is what? He will give you authority over the nations. He will give you victory away from those things that seek to destroy you. I pray this morning, I'm going to ask the men to prepare for the offering as we close. I pray this morning that the encouragement that you receive from this, because this is heavy stuff. And I worked really hard to be very inspirational, very lighthearted. And, you know, I brought a blender for goodness sake. But there's just no getting around it, my friends. This is destroying our churches and it's destroying our society. Beware this world or, or this word tolerance. By the way, I'm in no way advocating for us to be cold hearted, mean, rude, judgmental. You didn't hear any of that in what Christ was saying. You heard that Christ commended people for staying faithful and not listening and not participating in those things that were against Him and against His holy call for His people and healthy call for His people. And you heard Jesus say that if she continues down this road and she doesn't repent, by the way, giving her a chance over and over and over to fall in line, He says, then I will come with a heavy hand until she listens. Because I'm not going to let her destroy more people. But for you, hold fast. And there will be a reward. Let that be said of the church here in Concord. Let me pray over the offering. Thank you for being here this morning. And I just want to say real quickly, as you received a bulletin, there's an envelope for the Deacons Fund. If you want to participate in that, we do this. Um, you can do it at any time, but we kind of promote it for the first Sunday when we have communion. It is there specifically for the purpose of reaching out and helping people in their time of need. It's a special offering for that. And you can put something in there if you desire. And then we'll share just a couple things in a moment after the offering and then dismiss you. Um, we're excited uh, about what God is doing. And if you need prayer or help in this area, please email or call or text. And, and gals... We'll get, I don't counsel women on this area. That would be a little weird. Um, but we've got gals that can encourage and counsel. And guys, call me. I'll give you some, some encouragement and some disciplines to help us hold true. Let me pray. Father, it is a blessing to hear the truth that can save us and can set us free. I pray that this has pierced the darkness. I pray that these words hold fast and protect us from destruction and becoming victims. I pray, Lord God, that here at Concord Bible Church that we don't tolerate those things that would destroy people. But Father, we encourage the body. We encourage each individual towards righteousness and those things that draw them closely to You and give lifelong benefit. Lord, we commit this offering to You. Use it to Your glory forever and ever. To Your glory, Father. Amen.